All right, cool. Well, welcome back, guys, to uh, Sakura Success Season 2, Episode 2, where we're now in person uh, and, and having a lot of fun doing these things. So today we're going to talk about you know, new agent experience, what Jen and Dustin would have done differently. We're going to go into a little bit about the market on the buy side of things, what they should be looking out for um, on the sell side of things, what they should be looking out for, kind of projecting as much as we can and, and giving you a little confidence around what's happening without really saying, hey, this is exactly what's going to happen because we really don't know. So Dustin, let's kick it off with you. Dustin Corker, give us a little bit about your uh, your background, how long you've been in the game. Yeah, uh, so like Brett said, my name is Dustin Corkery. Um, I actually started about five years ago uh, with Keller Williams Metropolitan out of Morristown. Um, and the reason actually being was just because Brett and the scorer group wasn't actually fully out here yet. Uh, otherwise, I think that probably would have happened a lot faster, but they were kind of just based in the Hoboken area um, before they kind of expanded out towards the North Jersey. Um, Brett was actually the person who introduced me to uh, the Keller Williams office. Um, and right away, I kind of got right into the buyer's side of things, which I think is a very common role for newer agents. You know, you kind of start showing houses to the buyers and then before you know it, you kind of just step into uh, that role as a buyer's agent. Um, I think that's the one thing I actually would switch up a little bit is just because, you know, it, it did limit um, my business. And now that I am starting to take on a little bit more listing side of things, you know, I, I do regret not having that experience, you know, by year five already, um, where a lot of my buildup was just buyer side of things. Um, so that's probably the one thing, but, um, you know, based out of Morris County, I grew up here uh, since I was two years old. I've been in Morris County resident. Uh, Brett and I are actually cousins. Where, where were you before two years old? Uh, I was actually born in California. I never knew that. Yep. Oh, Coronado Island? Like, yep. wasn't your, yep. yeah, yep. okay. Yep. So my dad was uh, in the military, he was in the Navy. So um, I was born on a military base in Camarillo, California, and huh. I was two once we moved back to the East Coast. Just so everybody knows, he's my cousin too, and I didn't know that he wasn't born in New Jersey. So I'm learning something here. So so let, let's pause. Let's pause there. And Jen, tell me, you know, Jen Coco on this side of things. Tell me a little bit about who's not my cousin. I'm not related to Jen. Not what you know of. <laughs> we should actually, yeah, we should look at a family tree. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. I'm originally from New York, but I currently live in Hoboken, New Jersey. I've been there for about four or five years now. I was in corporate corporate before uh, real estate. I was in corporate for about seven, eight years in the event planning industry. And when COVID hit, uh, you know, it took a pretty bad hit with concerts, festivals, things like that. But it's okay. I was losing my passion for it. Uh, wanted to do something different. And I got basically hooked on real estate with bigger pockets. I just kept listening to the podcast, reading the books, and I was like, I want to go into real estate. And I ended up taking the class, and you know, I found the instructor at like a bar down the shore. That's we, how we all get our real estate yeah, license. <laughs> yeah, and I uh, took the class that Monday, and I'm coming up on two years in August. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. And and the instructor too, who introduced me to Jen was. Kyle Kovacs, who's yeah. just a badass in the real estate game. And you guys hit it off on the investment side of things and, and yapping about cap rates, numbers, and all that. But um, but no, su super cool how, how that came together. Okay. All right, cool. So a so, uh, little, little mic glitch right there. But So tell us, you came into the game about two years ago, you said. Um, geeking out on uh, you know Bigger Pockets podcasts and all that, and just consuming information around real estate. And then since then, like if you were to look back on yourself two years ago, like what has it just been all fine and dandy and a piece of cake or, <laughs> no, or are there struggles along the way? And no, what would you change? I mean, 
I mean, that's where I think the beauty in being a real estate agent is like, it's a lot of work from all angles and you're working with a ton. Everybody has a different story. So, you know, you have to cater to your clients. Not everybody's going to be the same. Um, but if I had to look back on it and do something differently, and Dustin and I were speaking about this Monday is just staying on top of the CRM. Like it can get out of control so easily. And when I started, you know, I was taking uh, buyers, sellers, like I was thinking all of the above. Yep. And I went from no leads to over 400. And if you don't have a game plan for everybody and you're going into that person and you're not taking notes, you're screwed. Yep. So if I had to look back and do something different, it was just being really strict on my CRM and implementing the right steps for, you know, that next phone call, that next email, that yep. next text. Yeah, and I feel like one of our, Dan Spitz, who's an agent with us, he has about 4,000 people in his CRM and they're all followed up with, with the create, like to the point where it's so black and white, the way he operates his system that if the, like the internet's down, he has an absolute meltdown or something like it's it, like Dan, Dan cracks me up in that aspect, but it really, it's, it's such a militant boom, 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 boom. And if you follow the same process every time you're going, like you really can't, I don't want to say you can't fail in this business because you could still, you know, say the wrong things to clients and stuff, but it is that it's taking notes, but then when the lead follow-up is due June 27th, it's calling the lead on June 27th. And then if they don't want to do anything at that point in time, then set a follow-up appointment to call the lead again, September 27th, mm -hmm. and just keep you know moving through your CRM. If you play the CRM properly too, and, and any agent out there that doesn't have a CRM or isn't using it to the fullest, it, it's crazy to me because that's when you go into your CRM, it just actually shows you all of your to-dos for the day. Yep. And really, if you're doing it right, you can come into the office every morning, hammer through all your to-dos, or if you want to start with a lead gen aspect, like add people to the database. That's what we were talking about on the seller side of things, yep. like actually adding sellers and prospecting around that, but then making sure that you clear through your lead follow-up every single day, Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday, whatever your work schedule mm -hmm. may be. But uh, it really is a, it's a simple thing that agents tend to complicate. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember even going back to again, like when I first started, I was the old pen and paper guy. I would actually, I didn't have a database CRM system. So I actually would just keep it pen and paper. And I remember trying to set reminders that way and it was miserable. So once you actually have like a CRM system in place, like just to be able to set those reminders to send a text to somebody, yeah, it was like a game changer. And, and I was just gonna say Dustin being my pod leader also like held me accountable. I had like 10 notifications last week and Dustin just like tagged me and was like, you haven't followed up with this person in a few weeks. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. So there's a good like accountability with that too. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And it's funny. Well, so like, that's the nice thing about the new age CRMs is you can like other people can go and audit. You can have accountability around it. I remember when, like the pen and paper side of things, when I was doing this in 08, 2009, we had index cards and then I would just carry like my hot leads around in my pocket all the time with what? <laughs> and that was a Mike Ferry, like they actually taught you to do that. He's like your top 20 people, top 20 sellers. Um, but then for me, it evolved into a post-it note system that was all up on the oh. wall. So I had color-coded post-its and I was constantly like, cause you're, you're, you have your headset on and you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I need to hit these people and I need to hit these people. and that person not pick up or that person wasn't motivated. So then they're going to go into my filing, my Rolodex again or something. But my hot leads are all set up there. Sellers, buyers, they were color coded. So anybody who's watching this, that's an old client of mine. You were a post-it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Oh, how far we've come. Yeah. And that's like me too. Like, you know, teaching an old dog new tricks. I, I personally, I don't struggle with the idea of like a new CRM, like this, the simplicity of it, but 
I had a system that worked really well for me. And I think that that's, that's the, that's the issue with agents as they're continuing to, to evolve in that the game has changed. I've been in it for 15 years now. The game has changed so much from like, when I started as a realtor, I didn't even have an email on my phone. Like I didn't have a phone that was capable of email. That's yeah, how smartphone. much it's changed. You're like text T9. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And then I went to uh, Blackberry Pearl. That was my first yeah. one. I remember I was able to spin those. it. It was like the, that was like my thing. I would just spin it. Me and Dave DeVoe would see how much of like a worn out patch we could have on the back of the phone. <laughs> and then I think I finally switched to iPhones in like 2012 or 2000. I think it was maybe 2011, 2012. And then I've been iPhone ever since um, and Mac and stuff. But that, that Zillow didn't really exist no. when I started in 07, 08. You could not advertise on Facebook. Facebook was not accepting advertisement money, I think, till 2011. So that was a newer thing then too. Um, Google AdWords or, or PJ, you were like 11. At the <laughs> but no, Google AdWords and, 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 like that, like that didn't, like it was really, you know, looking back and, and Jay Kinder, uh, Michael Reese, they got really good at email marketing back in 2003 when that started coming around. Uh, and then you see the agents, Gary V, for instance, with the wine library, he got really good at video. And what he tells people is that, hey, I was making video for 10 years before anybody even was like noticing that I was making video. And, you know, a lot of agents try to try to speed up that process. And they're like, I'm not getting results. But that's a, that's a good example of like, if you follow up properly in the CRM, if you're putting content out like this, um, and you're and you're actually just doing the simple things in this world, it's it's very difficult to fail. But we overcomplicate things. Absolutely, and that's what it's all about. Just the conversations, the daily conversations, the weekly conversations. But being present, you know, knowing what's going on in their lives. Like Jen said, everybody has a different story, and that story is going to play a role in exactly what they're looking for. So, like. If they're buying or selling, you need to know their story inside and out to be able to give them the best customer service that they actually deserve. Because, you know, everybody is going to need, you know, a special, uh, you know, sometimes you actually have to bring in contractors, right? So sometimes you have to actually get the house ready to go. Um, actually, I just did a pre-listing inspection yesterday for a couple clients um, just because we didn't want any surprises to kind of come up if and when, you know, a buyer came and made their own inspections happen. So, um I mean, going back to just like even having that technology present and stuff like that, I just think that it really has made our lives as far as connecting with the consumer that much easier. And we really don't have an excuse anymore. Mm -hmm. Like whether you're texting, calling, emailing, I mean, we do video messages to people now uh, through the different technologies that we have. And that's really all it takes to be successful is to actually care about your client and get on the phone and make sure you know exactly what they're looking for and what and what's going on in their lives. And just being human, I think. Yeah. You could get caught up in, you know, being salesy and robotic, but just be human. Yeah. Yep. No, and that's that's the whole, like I used to tell people too. I, I I obviously we want to sell them a home. Obviously, we we we'd love to sell their home, but at the end of the day, it's it's you know like we were having the conversation yesterday. If you bought with less than twenty percent down, you should probably like I'd love to sell your home, but I'd rather just call you and tell you that you probably knock PMI off because you have. Like reach out to your lender because you have equity in your home now. So um, just little things like that where you're actually adding value um, to it. So if we, just to touch on it too, and I don't know if yours is the follow-up on the CRM and taking notes and all that, but to go back, so so you've been in it for five years. You said you'd be more of a listing agent if you could go back and change things. How do you feel, like for new agents that are listening, how do you feel like you would 
go about that or create disciplines to become more of a listing agent from day one? Honestly, I guess it's just education, right? So I, <laughs> I was an educator. I, I used to, you know, teach um, health and physical education uh, at the elementary, middle, and high school levels. I tried all of them, but um, now I'm a huge believer in actually educating yourself throughout life, right? And the one thing that I kind of did was I just jumped headfirst into this industry. And I just said, like, I'll just do whatever the first person that grabs me and wants to take me under the wing, I'll just do whatever they tell me to do. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my personality. Like I'm gonna, if I am motivated and I have that passion and I made that decision to like take that next step, I'm going to be all in. Yep. So I, you know, I got involved with Keller Williams. Um, I interviewed with a couple different team leaders and the first team leader that did just grab me and take me under his wing he trained me as that buyer's agent. So I think if I would have taken a step back and actually educated myself and looked at the different scenarios of what that day-to-day -day life looks like for the different roles, it would have actually helped me make that decision a little bit quicker because what happened was, and again, I have no regrets, right? I mean, I think the way that I learned definitely got me projected to where I am today. Yep. Um, however, you know, I think if I had some of those different skill sets a little bit earlier on, I could potentially be even more successful. Yeah, no, 100%. And you look at, like, that's the whole discipline creates freedom aspect of things. And we have agents within our organization that have started from day one as listing agents, and they're still just listing agents. They won't work with buyers. And it gives them a lot of, like, you know, their weekends are free. They have newer agents on the team hosting open houses and stuff like that for them. And and, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, you can handle a lot more listings than you can on the buy side of things. So mm. there's a lot of truth behind that. But I also, you know, I was kind of always a 50, 50, like I always did both. I, I, you know, I, I was heavier listing in the beginning then went heavier buyer because listings were actually really hard in 2009 <laughs> to like sell. <laughs> so it wasn't that fun just carrying inventory forever. Um, so I was like, ah, let me work with buyers and they could go out and offer on 10 properties and just tell the seller, whoever responds the best gets the, <laughs> gets the deal. And like literally coming in 10% under asking, it was, it was a fun time uh, to be with buyers. But yeah, for, for uh, you on that side of things is what it would going, looking back at your, your last two years, would you say like a big tweak that you can make is on the CRM side of things? Or do you feel like, Hey, I want to go more into listings or I would have done this differently. I know you were working yeah. with tenants and kind of let that go. Yeah, my my first year, I really just wanted to learn and absorb as much as possible. I, I really didn't care how much like I did in sales. Um, so I, I always said yes to everything because I wanted to learn all sides of every situation. So I was working with a lot of tenants. We had a lot of rental listings and then I got pulled on to landlord listings. So I learned the other side of that and then Buyer started flowing in. So it's been pretty buyer heavy, I would say the past two years. And it's not because I was seeking out buyers. It's just the way that it went. And I feel really confident on the buyer side. Not that I'm not confident on the listing side. I just haven't had as much experience in it, but we have such a powerhouse team that I want to get more involved on the listing side. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like too, you have that self-awareness as well, where you've said, Hey, you know what? I'm pretty busy and I think that so a flex <laughs> for instance is a distraction for me. So I want to remove myself from that. And again, you're, you know, for those of you that don't know, Zillow takes a portion of all the commissions. So she's, she's essentially giving herself a raise by, by stepping away from that and filling your time with that. And then what I see like the next progression is as well. And this is what I did on the buy side is I created a barrier where I knew that, Hey, I wasn't going to handle any lead under $400,000. And now Eric Goldfarb, who's, you know, 
one my first agent I brought on the team, he would then gladly take all of those. And then we, we just kind of started growing it from there. So, so that's that also, if you're working on the buy side, that's a, and you're busy and you're kind of maxed out and you're showing people, that's a really good way to, to generate more income is just creating a, a, drawing a line in the sand and saying, Hey, anybody below 600,000, I'm going to give to my right hand man or my right hand gal and teach coach and train them how to become me. And you just continue. That's literally how this whole thing is, has kind of scaled to where it is today. I want to touch on too, you know, before we wrap up, what are you guys seeing in the market? So obviously when we went through this, we talked about it with the Blackberry and social media just coming around and whatnot. When, when there was a, a, what I would call the last market shift and we've had blips along the way, like hurricane Sandy was a pretty big blip that flooded out like a ton of things for us in Hoboken. And then COVID was a pretty big blip that created a, a weird stall in the market. But for a true market shift, I would say like 2007, 2008, 2009, that was, that was a market shift that was caused by real estate not being funded properly and people not getting the loans that they should have gotten. And obviously real estate took, you know, a 20% correction in some areas. It took 50% in Miami and Las Vegas, Scottsdale, those areas. I don't feel like this market shift has anything to do with pricing of homes plummeting. I think that what I'm seeing is buyer confidence or buyers getting priced out, having seen a home that they could afford last year for 800,000 that they missed out on. And then realizing that today's rates only allow them to buy this, you know, a home for 650,000. I think that that's creating a pause in certain things, but it's not, I haven't seen data actually reflect a sales price of homes come down yet. And I feel like we're talking about Kyle Kovacs' post. I feel like he, you know, inventory, the month supply is only like 90 days right now. So we, we have a three month supply of, of inventory, meaning that if nothing new came on the market, everything would be gone in the next 90 days. And that's still like the, like four, four months is really low. Six months is like an average market. So I feel like that supply and demand issue is still going to continue the trend that what we're seeing, but perhaps slow down the, the accelerant of home prices, which I feel like was the interest rates. I'm just curious to hear your take on it. Yeah. I mean, um, and it's great to have this conversation, you know, in this setting, because I do have it almost every day with a buyer or two. Um, but honestly, I tell everybody that you can't listen to the, the media right now with what's going on in the market. Um, honestly, you need to kind of rely on your local agent because every single market is going to be different. Um, Morristown to Morris Plains is going to be different. Morris Plains to Randolph is going to be different. Randolph to Denville is going to be different. Every single town right now is seeing some kind of a quote unquote shift, uh, but it's mainly just because of that demand, right? They're at one point with the rates as low as they were. I mean, we were in the twos at one point, yep. you know? So with that, everybody was out looking to buy a house. It actually made more sense to purchase a home than to even look at rentals, right? Um, so with that being said, now that those rates have risen and everything else, there aren't as many buyers out there. The buyers that we're seeing are buyers that actually need homes, not ones that just want a home and have the FOMO um, you know, of that low rate. Um, so with that being said, I just give the advice that, you know, you need to make sure you're getting that local data from your agent for whatever towns that you're looking in. Uh, it's going to really help guide you and keep you focused on that specific market. 
Um, you know, for example, I know you live in Warren. Warren is one of the uh, towns that I have clients looking in and, and the inventory has actually grown there a little bit more than an area like Basking Ridge, which is right next door, yep. right? So like a Basking Ridge is still seeing a lower uh, total inventory. Has it grown? Absolutely. But compared to Warren, Warren has grown now at a little bit faster of a rate. So my advice to anybody who's actually actively looking and buying right now is to talk to your local agent and get the facts from them first. Um, don't rely on the news media because they're gonna be looking at either the state as a whole or they're gonna be looking at the national market and that's not gonna help you. Yeah, I feel like we have, you know, I have clients that are traders, analysts, everything like high, you know, high up at Barclays, that sort of thing. And they're, they're constantly checking in on with, you know, what we're seeing on the buy side of things or on the consumer side of things. And I remember um, maybe it was like two or three weeks ago, there was one that we sold last summer in Wayne. It was 78 Black Oak Trail or something like that, new construction back then. And we sold it, I think for 720, which was a ridiculous number. And then the rates were up and everything you know has gotten crazier and they went back on the market because they had a job transfer and my understanding is that now that sold again 12 months later with higher rates over 900 so it's up like 180 grand in 12 months which that's like relevant information that you're not going to see on the news that there still are seven or eight people bidding wars or 30 people bidding wars but i think that a key component too when you look at a Warren versus Basking Ridge in that scenario is I feel like Basking Ridge, and I could be wrong, don't quote me on this, but typically has a younger crowd that comes into it because of the school system and, and that sort of thing. And with that, they typically renovate the homes a little bit more. And I think that one of the biggest issues with Warren, in my opinion, is a lot of, and why we bought our home versus a lot of other ones that we saw is they don't keep that are 2003 renovations or they're, they're very dated reddish wood tones, um, Brazilian cap, cherry cabinets, that sort of thing. And in this market, in this, as inventory is growing a little bit, what we're seeing sit are those homes, those unrenovated homes that are still trying to fetch what their neighbor got, but their neighbor has a fully updated kitchen. Their neighbor has a pool in the backyard. Their yep. neighbor has these floors. Like everything really fits that exactly. 2022 Pinterest vibe. And that's what, you know, our age group typically looks for as they're moving out to the burbs. So what, what, what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, more Hudson County focus. I yep. think there's two sides of it. You know, in Hoboken, Jersey City, people are really, you know, they have their must-haves. And right now, that's at least two bedrooms, some sort of outdoor space with people working from home or, you know, going to the office two, three times a week. They want that space. They want the outdoor space, and they definitely want the parking in Hoboken. Um, if it's priced right, it's still going pretty fast. But on the flip side of that, and we were talking this week about it, the rental market is insane. Yeah. So, you know, I'm working with people who are renting right now and they're looking for a new spot and rentals are going to highest and best. And yeah. you're paying for a one bedroom what I was paying for a two bedroom like a year ago. And granted, it's different from COVID, but if you're gonna be somewhere for the next three, five years, have a conversation with the lender and see what those numbers look like. We have so many off-market opportunities and can find a place for you that, why would you, run yourself through the ringer of going crazy over on a rental that doesn't check all the boxes when you could buy something. Um, I don't think it's gonna slow down. I'm especially telling buyers right now too, who have been slowing down on showings that people are on vacation, like let's get aggressive right now. Yep. We're not, let's not wait until the fall. So 
I don't think it's gonna slow down. Yeah, I feel like that's what's happening right now is people are kind of tired, they're burnt out from the spring. Even our agents too are like tired. We can, we can, yeah. I get it. Like it's, it's, it's been a crazy two years mm-hmm. where I feel like yeah. the, the seasonality completely went out the window with COVID because everybody's working from home, everybody's in the Hamptons, LBI, whatever it may be, like traveling and stuff like that whenever they want throughout the year. And I feel like that this is the first summer that actually feels like a summer again, where things are kind of slowing down from that. And I think you're right. I think that it's gonna, people are gonna come back from vacation. They're gonna be recharged. Their leases are gonna be coming up that they signed yep. into last year. And they're not gonna like what the landlord has to say about their new number. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go buy with a 30, 30 year fixed mortgage right now, yeah, the rate's higher. Or if you even buy a 10 year arm or something, but you're fixing, you're stamping that in. And I'm glad you brought up the rental market. We talked about it yesterday in Morristown with Chris Daliani where the tenants are paying fees because of, there's just no, there's nothing out there. And the amount of buyers that were in the market with us, you know, when the rates were lower, super well qualified, like strong, strong borrowers are now in the rental game too. So like they're, they're saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to pause my purchase and go rent. And then now that's just, it's just driving more into that side of things. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's just a, it's a bananas market on the rental Definitely side. Definitely a good time to be a seller and a landlord, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. We had we had a landlord in in Hoboken. They were listed at forty three hundred, and we got a bidding war at forty four hundred. And he's like, "Can I get forty five hundred? And I'm like, "We could probably just relist it at forty five hundred yeah. and get forty six hundred. <laughs> There's no data that supports what's happening right now with your yeah. property. It's actually a supply and demand uh, issue. So um, we ended up, you know, we got it. We got a good number on it, but. Um, but yeah, it's just a wild market. You just had that happen on Washington too, right? Yeah, we listed a property, uh, fourth floor walk up, one bedroom, and within tw- 24 to 48 hours, we had 10 applications and nine of them were over asking. Yep, it's crazy. Yeah. That's absolutely crazy. I mean, but it's going to keep, like you said, it's going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? I remember selling in 2008 too. I think my first closing was in 08. And his mortgage was five and a half percent back then, and that was a wonderful rate. Because if you look at it, it was up in you know in the sevens even before that, and they kind of they kind of dropped him. But I would just say, I mean, kind of to I don't know if you guys have any closing thoughts, but just to wrap it up, if a buyer, in my opinion, if a buyer is looking to stay in a home for like five years or so or more, I, I would absolutely pull the trigger. If you are looking to be there, and you can always refi if the rates come down lower, you know, like you're not you're not stuck on that rate. Um, and if you, and, but if they go up, you're going to be really happy. Um, and, and if you only want to be there for a year or two years, you know, it, it actually might make more sense to rent at that time, go travel the world or go do whatever you want to do. Be, be, be a nomad in that regards. But, um, but yeah. And if you're a seller same thing, if you're looking to, you know, if you're like, Hey, I'm going to wait for the market to continue to climb, it might go up more. Um, what we do know is that if you have the right place to move to right now and you have a plan in place, it might make sense to cash out knowing what we know today um, because I know you have equity in the home. Everybody yep. has equity in their home. Everybody's home is worth more right now for the most part than oh, it was whenever they bought it. So yep. if you need to use that money to go somewhere else, uh, you know, it, it, it today might be better than tomorrow, but again, we, we really don't know. It's just, and going back to like what I was saying before about how everybody has a different story. Um, you know, even if you've had the thought of, well, what would it look like to sell? Like I might not be ready, but, I, I just don't know what it looks like. Again, reach out to your local expert. Uh, we have so many tools and resources. Uh, we use HomeBot here with the SCORE group, which actually does give any homeowner access to all their options once they sell. It'll give them um, you know, an insight on what it would look like to purchase a second property, whether it's that vacation home that they've always wanted 
or if they wanted to just keep it and hold on to it as either an Airbnb or just a long-term rental, right? If you're gonna downsize and you don't necessarily need that equity to buy that next house, you might now become you know, a real estate investor yourself and become a landlord. Um, so again, your story is always gonna be different than your neighbor or your friend who might be buying or selling. If you're at all interested in anything, again, just reach out to us. We always like to talk. Um, I'm known as a talker. I can probably go on and on and on forever. Um, but yes, reach out to us. We'll always be willing to help out. And what about you? Any, any closing yeah, I mean, thoughts? Stole what I was going to say, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say it's never too soon to have a conversation, whether you're looking to buy now, sell now, or sometime in the future, just start those conversations, put a plan in place and, you know, put us to work. We'll, we'll do everything we can to help you out. Cool. I appreciate you guys coming on and, uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm not going